I want you to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 1. Uh, that's where we started this series last week, and that's where we still are today. We're going to finish up uh, Acts chapter 1. I, I want to say um, thank you to this church. Thank you to this community for praying for the Temple family this week. Uh, I want to say thank you for praying for me, because um, I am a part of that family, and it has been a very difficult week. Uh, I've said it many times that we are merely sponges, and uh, whatever we are dipped into when we are squeezed by this life, that is what's going to come out. And I'm so thankful for those songs that we sang this morning, because I am a child of God. Amen? And that's based on Scripture. If you go to the letters of John, John says, um, when we repent of our sin and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ... We are children of God, and that is who we are. And nothing in this world, and no one in this world can change that. Praise God for that. And so, yes, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been, I've been dipped in a, in a river of grief this week. Uh, I've been dipped in a river of, of pain this week, but I'm going to tell you what else. I've been dipped in the river of love this week. And I have felt the Holy Spirit move in power in my life. And I do believe it's because of men and women who pray. So thank you, church, for praying. And I want you to keep praying. Keep praying. Last week when we began this journey uh, into and through the book of Acts, uh, I told you that the book of Acts was written um, by this man named Luke. And his message uh, is really summed up this way. Jesus really lived. Jesus really died. And Jesus really did rise again. That, that's his message. And you're going to see that throughout the book of Acts. Now right here in the very beginning of Acts, the first 11 verses, uh, Jesus appears to his apostles, to his disciples. And, and so before the ascension, Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, he promised them. He promised his followers that they would receive power through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As you know, Jesus appeared multiple times to his followers. But, but this time, in the book of Acts, it was different because this time would be the final time that he would appear to them. And, and right before the ascension, he said, I want you to wait. I want you to wait in Jerusalem before you do anything else. I want you to wait because the gift that you were promised, the promised Holy Spirit, is going to baptize you. And when He baptizes you, you will be filled with God's power. Now, this was not a power that was to be used selfishly. It was not a power to be used worldly. No, this was the power of God to be used and to be displayed for God's kingdom and for God's purposes. And so, before the ascension, Jesus made it very clear how they were to use the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, you will be my witnesses. That's what Jesus said. So two things he said before he ascended into heaven. You will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. So the Spirit that God gives us, His presence in our lives, 
each and every day, everywhere we go, everything we say, everything we do, it is to be used as a witness for Jesus Christ. It is never given to you or to me to use selfishly, to use worldly. It is to be used in eternity and for eternity. God's kingdom, God's purposes, God's plan. So this was the power of God from God to bear witness for Jesus Christ, the person and the works of Jesus Christ. And Jesus told them where to bear witness, didn't he? He said, in Jerusalem where you are, in all of Judea where you will go, even into Samaria where you will go, and even to the ends of the earth where you will go. And so this power of the Holy Spirit This presence of God in you and in me, it is to bear witness of Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his glorious resurrection. And it is for God's kingdom. Not mine, not yours. God's kingdom. I love Pastor Tony Moretta. Pastor Tony Moretta is one of my favorite pastors, and uh, he actually has put together a series of commentaries on the books of the Bible, and it's called Christ-Centered Exposition. In other words, every book of the Bible, every verse in every book of the Bible points to Jesus Christ. And this is what Pastor Tony Merida says. He says the word apostle, which is what these men are, he said the word apostle means one who is sent by God. So the apostles were firsthand learners, disciples who could accurately pass on his teaching. And that's what we're going to see from this point forward. They are going to pass on the teaching, the person of Christ and the works of Christ to anyone and everyone they can possibly reach. And so that's where we're going to pick up today. Acts chapter 1 beginning in verse 12. Look at what the Bible says. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem, because that's where Jesus said to wait. It says, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Look at verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I want you to see something very important in these three verses. Number one, the apostles obeyed. Do you see it? They obeyed. In the first 11 verses, Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But until that point, Go to Jerusalem and wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait. And so the apostles obeyed on the Mount of Olives. Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for that gift of God. And they obeyed. They went to Jerusalem and they went into this upper room just as Jesus commanded them. And I want you to see this because obedience is one of the main pieces of evidence of true discipleship. Do you hear me? 
Obedience is one of the main pieces, one of the most important pieces of evidence of true discipleship. If I call myself a disciple of Christ, if I call myself a true follower of Christ, there better be evidence. I hope that I could be found guilty in a court of law of being a Christ follower because of the evidence of my life. Not just because of the words, but because of the actions. See, obedience is an active piece of evidence. It's not just a mouthpiece of evidence. It is an active piece, a body piece of evidence. I love this because Jesus had already told his disciples about obedience. You want to hear it? John chapter 14, verse 15, here's what Jesus said. If you love me, then you will keep my commands. You know what that word keep means? It means do. It means follow. It means embrace and live out. If you love me, then you will keep my commands. And it was in the same breath. Listen to this. In the same breath, Jesus goes on to say this in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. Do you think it's a coincidence that we just read Acts chapter 1? And Jesus said that in John chapter 14. I'm going to tell you right now, that is not coincidence. That is called divine. That is called the Spirit of God stirring and moving and preparing God's children for service in His kingdom. So the apostles obeyed, okay? That's evidence number one that they were true disciples, that they were true followers of Jesus Christ ready to be who God created them to be and called them to be. Evidence number two, you want to see it? The apostles prayed. Woo! Listen to me. If you call yourself a disciple of Christ, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, another piece of evidence better be prayer. And I ain't talking about just over your food when you get ready to eat. Lord, change the molecular you know, structure of this food to not hurt me but help me. Right? I say that jokingly because I've prayed that before. Like, this bag of Cheetos probably ain't what I'm supposed to be eating, but, you know, don't let it hurt me. Let it help me to keep doing what I'm doing. Listen to me. Prayer is more than just praying over your food. That should be done, by the way. But prayer is open and active conversation with God, listening to Him, pouring your heart out to Him all day long, every day. Constant, right? The apostles prayed. I'm going to tell you, we ain't going to lose this piece of evidence throughout the book of Acts. Do you know what Luke does? Throughout every chapter of the book of Acts, he talks about prayer. He talks about prayer. You want to know why? Because it is an evidence of someone truly walking with Christ and being a vessel of his love and grace and mercy to the world. Prayer matters. Prayer is one avenue One avenue of worship to God and for God. Listen, when they met in this upper room, it wasn't just a group of guys sitting around saying, Hey, how how you doing? How long do you think this is going to take? Hey, guys, what what are we going to do until that happens? This was not just fellowship of some guys. This was not a bunch of guys sitting around watching the paint dry. 
I'm going to tell you what this was. This was a prayer meeting. It was an intentional prayer meeting. This was a spiritual meeting. This was a worship experience. You want me to tell you why? Two reasons. Number one, they prayed together. Don't miss that. The apostles prayed together. What that means is more than just a bunch of guys holding hands in a room. You know what that means? That means hearts connected. Spirits lined up and pointed in the same direction. They were united in prayer. They prayed together because they were united. They were focused on the Lord and His mission for them in the kingdom. That's what this was. It was a prayer meeting. Not only does it say they prayed together, but don't miss that word constantly. They prayed constantly. Listen to me. I believe they were in the attitude of prayer until the moment the Holy Spirit baptized them. I believe that. I believe that. I believe they were in an attitude of prayer. They kept on praying. That's what that word constantly means. They kept on praying. They were committed to praying together and praying as long as it takes, as often as needed. So this is very powerful. Man, I could stop on these three verses and we would have a lot to chew on, right? But I want you to see what happens because of these three verses, right? I want you to see what happens to these apostles, these vessels of God, these ones who are going to be sent out by God to bear witness for Jesus Christ. Look at this, verse 15. This is what happens when you obey and you pray. It says in those days, verse 15, in those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120 And said, brothers and sisters, the scripture, ooh, what is he focused on? What is he about to share with them? The word of God. Prayer and obedience (laughs) will always lead you to the word of God. And the word of God will always result in prayer and obedience. Do you see how this is connected? He said in verse 16, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. Look at this. He's saying something bad happened to us, but God knew what was going on, and God was in control. How could he say that? I'll tell you how he could say that. He was walking in obedience, he was walking in prayer, and he knew the Scripture. Watch what he says. Verse 18. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. And there he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Ekeladama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms. So notice Peter's not just making something up. Peter is quoting the word of God. It is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism 
to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these men must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So, so let's break this down, right? They were walking on obedience. They were walking in prayer. Those were two evidences that they were truly Christ followers, that they were truly witnesses of Jesus Christ. So Luke, in this passage, informs us of something very important. I hope you don't miss this. He said there were at least 120 people present when Peter stood up to speak. Now, in Jewish law, at least 120 people had to be together to make it a legal council. Again, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that's coincidence? Do you think it's coincidence, right, that these apostles did what Jesus told them to do and Jesus already had people lined up to be there with them during their prayer meeting? And it happened to be, just happened to be, at least 120. That's not a coincidence. That's divine. What they were about to do was a spiritual process, but it also lined up legally according to the Jewish laws. Only God can do that, and God was doing it. So let's look at what happens when you're walking in obedience and when you're walking in a prayer. Here it is. The apostles read the Scripture. (laughs) They, They obeyed, they prayed, and the first thing out of their lips is the Word of God. That's what happens. Just as I said earlier, prayer matters. Well, guess what? Scripture matters too. And we need to be people of prayer, and we need to be people of the Word. We don't need to just read it quietly in our homes, although that is something we need. We need to read it together, and we need to read it out loud. I'm telling you, when I'm in my office, I'm glad Molly hasn't come in and said, you need to be quiet. Because when I'm in my office, I don't just do this. Oh, yeah. Interesting. You know what I do? Here's what I do. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Right? I read it out loud. I want to hear it with my ears. I want to hear it with my heart. I want to digest it with my mind. I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong to read it quietly. I'm just saying sometimes we need to hear it. We need to hear it. With our ears as much as we hear it with our hearts and our minds. And we need to hear it together. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of the word. Now in this passage, Luke gives us a few more details through Peter's words about Judas. If you'll remember, Matthew tells us a little bit about what happened to Judas too. But Peter takes it a little bit further. Peter basically tells us that he sinned. He, he was unrepentant. That means apostasy. That means unbelief. Judas didn't just backslide. He did not believe. And Peter tells us that Judas hung himself. He fell headlong. And later, that rope broke. And he fell to the ground. And when he hit the rocks, his body burst open. That's what the Bible says. And, and so Peter, in thinking about what has happened to them... The good and the bad, Peter is drawn to Scripture. 
And so Peter goes to the book of Psalms. And again, this is not coincidence. What happened years ago, what the Holy Spirit of God did to stir David's heart to write down the words that Peter spoke lines up perfectly with what happened to Jesus. Let me just go ahead and tell you. Peter actually quotes the Psalms. Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. What Peter realized is that all Scripture, what I just told you when I read Brother Tony Merida's quote, all Scripture points to Jesus. It testifies to Jesus' person and His works. And so these Psalms of judgment by David, right? From David's lips about his companions who became his enemies, they were actually words given to him by the Holy Spirit that would be used on this day. To talk about this companion who walked with Jesus and turned his back on him and sinned against him. Again, I don't know how you could believe this is random. I just don't know how you could do that. I I just don't. The Old Testament scripture is all about Jesus. I don't care how many times you read the name Jesus. It's about Jesus. The Old Testament Scripture points to Jesus Christ, His person, His work. The New Testament points to Jesus, His person, and His work. It is connected. It is all connected. And I love this. Listen, the apostles didn't just read the Scripture out loud. The apostles were actually led by Scripture to act. They were led by Scripture to act. Listen to what he says. He quotes the psalm and says, May another take his place of leadership. So that is what Psalm 109 verse 8 says. And at this point, how many disciples were left? Eleven. Because Judas is dead and gone. Now don't get him mixed up with the other Judas. Because there were two of them. That's why the other Judas always says, I am not Judas Iscariot. (laughs) He wanted to make sure you didn't get him confused. I'm not that Judas. Sometimes I have to say, I'm not that Jeff. And I'm sure there's other Jeff saying, that's not not me. I'm not that Jeff. Right? Good and bad both ways, probably. But here's why. You might be wondering, why couldn't they just move forward with 11? Why couldn't they just move forward 11? Why did they have to have 12? Again, if you know the Old Testament Scripture... Huh? If you know the Old Testament Scripture and you know that it is connected with the New Testament, you'll understand. Listen to what Pastor Kenneth Gangle says in his commentary. He says, The New Testament Scripture carries forward the Old Testament Jewish symbolism. We see it in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, in Jesus' very words. Listen to what Matthew 19, 28 says. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on... How many thrones do you think? Twelve. Not eleven. Twelve. You will sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You know what John said in Revelation? See, John, God showed John some stuff when he was on that Isle of Patmos all alone. Well, in our opinion, he was all alone, but he was not all alone. 
Because the Holy Spirit of God was speaking to him and telling him what to write down. And listen to what John wrote down. Revelation chapter 21, verse 14. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb of God. So let me ask you a question. Do you think this was kind of random when Peter stood up and said, hey guys, we need another apostle? Do you think that was random? You'd be crazy if you do. Because I got the proof. You know where the proof is? The Word. The Scripture. See, Peter obeyed, he prayed, and he dug into the Scripture, and he read it out loud. That was his proof, his evidence. That was his witness. Listen, the Scripture matters. It all points to Jesus. It is all connected and inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. This was not something being done randomly. This was not something being done by human concept. This was divine. It was the Word of God and the will of God. And Christ followers obediently and prayerfully following. Pretty good stuff, isn't it? So watch this. Well, Jeff, how'd they, how'd they get that 12th apostle? Where'd they come up with this? Because it's going to look like they just put a few dice in their hand and rolled them and just luck. But I'm going to show you. Watch this. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 23. It says, so they nominated two men. Now remember, these two men had to be alive and had to have been eyewitnesses from the time John the Baptist baptized Jesus up to the time when Jesus, right, ascended. So again, they nominated two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. Is anybody in here called by three names? That, that, that just, I was like, okay, which one is it? Well, it's the same guy, he just has three names. So Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, wait, wait, let me stop. What'd they do again? They prayed. Hmm. Constantly praying. And it says, they prayed. It doesn't say, Peter prayed, does it? It said, they prayed. In other words, joined together, united in their prayer. Constantly praying. It says, they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. Not the one Peter wants. Not the one Paul wants. Not the one Mary wants. No, they prayed and said, God, you know our hearts, but you show us who you want, who you have chosen. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. And here it is. This could be confusing, but hang with me. Verse 26, then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So let's, let's take a step back. And first of all, let's focus on what they did. The apostles continued to pray. This was not just random prayer. This was not, oh, look, hey, we bumped into each other. Let's pray. No, this was intentional, intentional prayer. This was planned prayer. They were 
acting according to the scriptures, and so they prayed. They knew that the Lord was searching hearts. They knew that the Lord was speaking to their hearts, and they wanted to hear the Lord clearly. They wanted to know his plans and purposes. People ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, how can I know what the Lord wants? Not just from me, but for me. I'm going to tell you, you pray and you keep on praying and you keep on praying. And if you ask me again and say, well, Brother Jeff, I just haven't heard the Lord. Guess what advice I'm going to give you? Keep on praying. And then I'm going to tell you, pray together, right? With brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray out loud. I'm going to tell you what else to do. Go to the scriptures. And keep on going to the scriptures. Because I'm going to tell you. God will speak. God will speak. He'll speak through prayer. And he'll speak through the word. It'll be his voice. His time. His plans. His purposes. So the apostles continued to pray. Not only that, this is huge. You want another piece of evidence? Another piece of evidence that you are a true Christ follower? Another piece of evidence that you are being a witness for Christ in your home, in your workplace, in your community, in your church? Here it is. The apostles continued to trust. 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 Matter of fact, there's a song called Trust and Obey. We sing it all the time, don't we? Do we embrace it? Do we live it out loud? Or is it just words on a page that we just sing? Casting lots was not something that was just random for the apostles. Though for me and you, right, we might go, (laughs) I'm pretty good at rolling snake eyes, right? I'm pretty good at rolling them doubles. And you might think, I got a little something to do with it. I know it may seem that way, but let me talk to you about casting lots in a biblical setting with a spiritual mindset. See, this was not just random. Listen to Proverbs. Proverbs, Old Testament, written down way before Peter was ever walking on this earth, way before Paul ever existed on this earth. Listen to what was written down in the Word of God in the Old Testament. Proverbs 16.33 The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. You're telling me Peter didn't know that? As much scripture as he's already quoted and read out loud? You're telling me Peter didn't know that this was the right way? The right way to move forward in choosing the 12th apostle? See, that ain't random. I love Dr. Tony Evans, too. And he he speaks a whole lot better than me, so let me just tell you what he said. Dr. Tony Evans says, Nothing happens according to chance when a sovereign God is running the universe. The apostles knew that God directed the lot that they held in their hands. It is interesting to note, though, because get ready. Listen to this. It is interesting to note, though, that after the coming of the Holy Spirit to dwell in them, the apostles will never again make a decision by casting lots. This is the last time we're going to read about it. It's the last time we're going to read about it. 
Because see, they understood and believed that the Spirit of God would turn that lot on the side it was supposed to fall. But boy, in just a few verses, and we're not going to get there today. That's my bait, right? I'm trying to lure you back in for next Sunday. When the Holy Spirit of God falls on them in that room, and they are baptized once and for all, they will never need to use the lots again. Because the Holy Spirit of God will be in them, directing them in their decisions. That's good stuff, isn't it? You see, they trusted God. And in trusting God, the lot fell to Matthias. Now, I'm going to be a little funny here. I'm kind of glad it fell to Matthias. Because I can't remember if it was Barsabbas or Justice or... I don't even remember the third name right now. So I'm kind of glad it was Matthias, you know. I only have to remember one name, not three. But let me just tell you, it was the man God chose before they ever prayed. It was the man God chose before they ever obeyed. It was the man God chose before they ever cast the lots. Everything they said, everything they did was in line with God's plans and God's purposes. He was the right man for this position because God is sovereign. Now, I don't want to throw Barsabbas justice under the bus because I'm going to tell you, I believe they were both qualified or else they wouldn't have been there. I believe they both were given opportunities. And I'm going to tell you, I believe Barsabbas continued to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I believe that. But Matthias was the one God chose to be the 12th apostle. That's God's plans. That's God's purposes. And these men fell in line with it. Now what I want to do as we close out is I want to repeat something to you that you already know. I want to repeat something to you that I've already said once today or maybe even twice. I want to repeat something that I said over and over and over again in the Old Testament book of Ruth. You ready? This is ground shaking. This is life altering. If you believe it. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. After reading this passage of scripture, after reading Acts chapter 1, here's what I believe I need to do. Here's what I believe we need to do as a church, we need to answer three questions. Number one, will we be witnesses of prayer? Will we be witnesses of prayer? As we share our personal testimonies, listen to me, we are not first-hand learners. We are not first-hand apostles, okay? There was only 12 of those. But we are still witnesses. We are witnesses of to what we have read and what we believe and what we know in our hearts because of the Spirit of God who has baptized us through repentance of sin and faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. The same power that filled Peter fills me today. And I can preach Jesus Christ just like Peter preached Jesus Christ. That ain't because of me. That's because of the Spirit of God who dwelt in Peter, who now dwells in me. That's why. You might say, well, Brother Jeff, I can't stand up in that pulpit. That don't matter. You can stand up in your house. You can stand up in your workplace. Students, you can stand up in your school. You can stand up anywhere God plants your feet. And you can preach Jesus Christ 
to a dying and lost world. But I'm going to tell you something. You better be prayed up. You better be prayed up. Because prayer matters. You need to be praying privately in your home, and you need to be praying corporately in your church. Yeah, you need to be praying in your heart, but you need to be praying out loud with your mouth. Will we be witnesses of prayer? Not only that, number two, will we be witnesses of the word? Right? Will we be witnesses of the word? So here's the thing. If you're dipping yourself in the scripture constantly, consistently, and not just hearing, but actually doing Guess what happens when you get squeezed in this world? When you're a sponge dipped into the Word, when the world begins to squeeze you, guess what's coming out? The Word. If you have a problem quoting Scripture, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you have a problem quoting Scripture, it's because you ain't reading Scripture and you ain't holding it in your heart. If you're getting up every morning and going, woo, did my 10-minute devotion with Priscilla Shire or with Tony Evans, and then you just go out and live your life, and you don't remember a word you said, you didn't do nothing. You didn't do nothing. James, what does he say? What does James say in chapter 1? Do not merely what? Hear the word, but what? Do what it says. Do what it says. Is that amazing that we're coming back to obedience? What did Jesus say? If you love me, then you will do what? You will keep my commands. You will obey my commands. You will walk in them. You will do them. Not just know them, do them. I'm going to tell you the word matters. So will we be witnesses of prayer? Will we be witnesses of word? And thirdly, will we be witnesses who trust in sovereign God? Let me ask you a question. Has everything gone your way today? I mean, I guess if you like rain and thunder and lightning, I guess if you like time change, when you lose an hour, I guess maybe things have gone okay for you today. Okay? But I I don't like thunder and lightning waking me up at three when my hour's already gone. When things don't go your way, How do you respond? How do you respond? How do you walk? Are you witnesses of prayer? Are you witnesses of the word? Are are you witnesses of trust in a sovereign God? Listen, as we share our testimonies about Jesus, we need to be a body of believers who trust in the sovereignty of God, not moved by the circumstances of this world, but rather moved by the Spirit who is greater than He who is in this world. I'm not saying you're not going to be disappointed. I'm not saying you're you're not ever going to be discouraged. I'm not saying you're not ever going to hurt and be in pain. What I am saying, you'll view your circumstances through the lenses of God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy, and you'll respond accordingly. And when you're witnesses of prayer and you're witnesses of the word, I'm going to tell you what, it's a whole lot easier to be a witness of trust. Do you hear me? 
So many of us go, oh, I just want to trust you more, God. Oh, I just wish I could trust better. Oh, I just wish I could respond better to this ugly and miserable circumstance, even though I got myself into it. Or maybe it's a circumstance that I didn't really do anything wrong. It's just the brokenness of this world. So many times we just wish we could trust better. When it all comes back, did we pray? Did we dig into God's word? I I read a quote I guess it was, I can't even remember when I wrote it, so I'm not even going to lie. Maybe you'll remember. But I, I, I told you about a quote. I think it was last Sunday night. I told you about a quote from Brother Greg Laurie, right? Brother Greg Laurie says, oh, we're so good at marking our Bibles. I mean, you come up here right now and look at mine. I got so many words circled and so many, it's almost like every scripture is underlined. I always tell you, this is my favorite passage. This is my favorite scripture. It's because it's the one I'm on. But here's what Pastor Greg Laurie says. We're so good at marking our Bibles, but have we allowed the Bible to mark us? Whoo! Boy, we can mark that Bible up with red ink and pencil and purple ink and highlight it with this pretty neon yellow. But are we, uh, are we embracing the Word and allowing the Bible to mark us? Do we have evidence that we are truly Apostles of Jesus Christ, modern day apostles of Jesus Christ, sharing the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God with the world we live in. Are we telling the truth about what Scripture says? This is what sin is. There is a right and there is a wrong. And I'm not here to condemn you, I'm just here to share the truth with you because I know the truth will set you free. I want to tell you about the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God. We are sinners, and we don't deserve it, but God. God did something, right? He did something when we couldn't. He came to us. Emmanuel, God in flesh. He was given the name Jesus. Why? Because he would save the world from their sins. That's not me. That's New Testament scripture. You can look it up. That's why later on in the book of Acts, we're getting to it. These apostles will say, repent and believe. Repent and believe. They told people the truth about Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his glorious resurrection. They told them the truth about sin. This is what sin is. And we're all guilty. So we have to repent. That means own it. It doesn't just mean, sorry, I got caught. No, it means I'm guilty. But God, I turn from it, and I believe what God said to me and for me, that Jesus Christ came and lived perfectly, died sacrificially, rose to the grave for me so that I could be forgiven and set free from the penalty and bondage of sin forever and ever so that one day when I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, God will indwell me through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that I can be a witness of prayer, a witness of the word, and a witness of trust in sovereign God. I'll tell you, nothing we read in the book of Acts is going to be random or coincidental. It is divine. And it wasn't just for the church that was being built up, because that's what this is. This is the church being built up. It wasn't just for the church there in the book of Acts. It's for the church today.
So everything we read in the book of Acts, it's, it's for us too. The thing is, you'll either believe or you won't. And I ain't going to talk you into it, because if I can talk you into it, I can talk you out of it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to be a witness. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to tell you what I've read. I'm going to tell you what I've, I've experienced in my heart and in my life. And I'm going to let you make your decision. Because each and every person has to choose. I will either embrace Jesus as my Lord and Savior or I will reject Him. And I'm just telling you, when you embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your eternity is secure. The Holy Spirit not only indwells you, the Holy Spirit seals you, marks you. You are a child of God and that is who you are. That's why John could say what he said in his letters. But if you reject Jesus Christ, the only way to be right with God You reject God, and you reject forgiveness, and you reject heaven. You reject eternal life, and you will experience eternal death. In a place called hell, where there will be nothing but weeping and gnashing of teeth, and torment forever and ever and ever without end. See, if I love you enough to talk about the love and grace and mercy of God, I love you enough to tell you about the wrath of God that is poured out on sin. Jesus took it all. For me. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Because I believe. Will you? Have you? Will you? Believe.